Scarborough is home to one of the world's most accomplished and celebrated playwrights, Sir Alan Aikbourne. Throughout his lengthy career that has spanned well over six decades, Aikbourne has premiered the vast majority of his new plays in Scarborough, including his 90th later this year. In fact, Sir Alan has been a presence in the town since the 1950s, working at the three different sites of the theatre in the round, including the wonderful Stephen Joseph Theatre that exists today. Such is the depth of Sir Alan Aikbourne's work, he has a full-time archivist to manage and maintain the collection of his work. Based in Scarborough, Simon Murgatroyd, a theatre historian, is the person who runs the archive, and I had the pleasure recently to sit down with Simon at Woodend, and I began by asking him what the job of archivist actually entails. Many, many things. Obviously, I'm looking after the archive of uh, Sir Alan Aikbourne, um, all the press cuttings, programs, all the material that comes in. When I first started the role in 2003, the entire archive was held in Scarborough. And then, as some of your listeners will know, in 2011, the archive was acquired for the nation um, by the University of York, the Borswick Institute for Archives. So a huge amount went to York in 2011, but I look after the Scarborough side. So the contemporary stuff, the modern stuff, and eventually it will all go over to York. Then I suppose the next thing uh, and what people would probably be more familiar with is I created and curate Alan Aikman's official website. That's now at about three and a half thousand pages. Um, I'm told it is the largest single online resource for a living playwright in the world. I also have a secondary website, uh, which was launched last year called Around Town. Um, and that looks at the history of theatre and around in Scarborough, the cultural, the contribution to the uh, history uh, and culture and heritage of Scarborough, looking at theatre and around venues, homes, Stephen Joseph, Alan Aikborn, and just its impact on the town. Then I'm there as a sort of theatre historian and expert. I'm answering questions from around the world on Alan Aikborn, and that can be from students, researchers, production companies that might be doing uh, programs on Alan Aikborn, theatres that are doing productions themselves and want to know a little more. Um, I go out and about, I do talks about Alan, Stephen, theatre and around. It's one of those jobs where I go in on an average day and think this is what I would like to achieve and then generally unexpected things come my way and I don't achieve anything I set out to do but find myself doing other really interesting things and meeting, talking to really interesting people. So let's talk a little bit about Sir Alan. Um, he's now written 90 plays. His 90th is called Show and Tell yes, and is. is coming to Stephen Joseph Theatre later this year. That is phenomenal for anyone to have written that many plays. You talked about him having a, a couple of failures early on in his career. What was the point in his career where he sort of made it, something took off, something happened? It's, it's very interesting because um, his first couple of plays in Scarborough, The Square Cat and Love After All, are very successful, but they're only produced in Scarborough. Um, his third play is a, a failure. Uh, and then he writes, uh, not for Scarborough, at this point he's actually um, at the Victoria Theatre in Stoke-on-Trent. He writes a play called uh, Mr. Whatnot, and that's his first play to transfer to the West End. Uh, it stars Ronnie Barker, um, and it is... 
a disaster in London. <laughs> it is a complete traumatic disaster. The reviews, when we look at them from today's perspective, are verging on the offensive. You wouldn't be allowed to write them today. Some of the language is very suspect. Alan goes, that is it. I'm leaving theatre. He gets a job at the BBC in Leeds as a radio drama producer and says he has no intention of ever writing for theatre again. From the ashes comes his greatest hit because Stephen Joseph, 1965, contacts Alan at the BBC and goes, look, you've had this failure, but I still believe in you. And here's my suggestion. Write me a well-made play. He said, your last play, it broke all the rules. And then the problem with that is, before you can break all the rules, you need to know what the rules are. So he writes this play uh, called Meet My Father. It's a huge hit in Scarborough, and the West End producer, Peter Bridge, comes up, and he sees it and goes, this is good, this, this is good. I'm going to take this and produce it in the West End. But, as he says to Alan, the title's awfully provincial, darling. Could you change it? Swallen goes, yes, indeed, I'll change it. And he comes up after going around the block with it, with, uh, as he says, the one title that Noel Coward didn't use, and that is Relatively Speaking. And that opens in 1967 in London's West End and is an overnight hit. Um, and it's hard to imagine now because we don't really get it, but you could become an overnight sensation as a playwright back in the 60s and 70s and get that level of stardom we would associate now with well-known actors. I think for a lot of people who aren't into, like they might enjoy theatre, but they're not, they're not like yourself, a, a, a theatre historian. Can you put into sort of context or terms just how well-known internationally Alan Aitborn actually is? We've got to go back to, let's say, the peak period, which is the 70s and 80s. And at that point, Alan was a household name theatrically in this country. All his plays would go to the West End. They would then be picked up immediately by many, many repertory theatres. So in your average year, the new Eightbourne would become available, having been in the West End, and you'd get 20 or so productions around the UK they would then be picked up throughout Europe. Germany especially would also be picking them up immediately, doing numerous productions. In the 70s, he was on Broadway. Um, Absurd Person Singular was the longest-running comedy on Broadway since Noah Coward's Blythe Spirit. His plays were being produced as far away as Japan, Australia. It's very difficult to sort of get a grasp on just how successful he was but he was one of the most successful and highest earning playwrights in the, this country during the 70s and 80s. The one that I always use as a, a good illustration in the 90s, I was a journalist on the Scarborough Evening News. Uh, and just after I started, the Holbeck Hall went down the cliffs. Both I and Jeannie Swales, who was the press officer at the theatre then and then is currently the press officer at the theatre, um, both had a very similar experience. 
the Holbeck Hall got news coverage around the world. For any of us who were there, remember it. We remember all the TV vans, the radio, all that. It got worldwide coverage. The evening news and the theatre were getting constant calls from around the world going, so the Holbeck Hall, what does Alan Aikborn think about it? Because that's what people associated with Scarborough around the world. It was like, well, who do we know that's associated with Scarborough? It's Alan Aikborn. So what does Alan Aikborn think of the Holbeck Hall? And I think, um, I don't really know. He probably thinks it's very sad, but he's not his hotel. He's not stayed in it. Um, you had this very strange, but, they, but that was just how synonymous Scarborough had become with Alan Aikborn. Um, so what, what sort of things are in the archives and is there anything unusual or significant in the archives that, that are worth mentioning? I mean, the archive, if we talk about it in its entirety, i.e. Um, what's at York, I think, I, it includes original manuscripts from day one. So from his very first play, The Square Cat, which of course is a significant piece of history. And you've got plays which are regarded as um, classics of 20th century British theatre, such as The Norman Conquests, Absurd Person Singular, uh, Betune Farce. Um, so they've got that. There's also all the correspondence, and these cover a period, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, where, you know, Alan is becoming world famous, and that is reflected in the correspondence with who he's talking to, the the his agent was uh, Margaret Peggy Ramsey, who was very famous, sort of literary agent to all the uh, finest writers. You have this sort of snapshot of, of theatre life, um, west of what was happening in the West End, what was happening in theatre. It's a vast archive. What was interesting for me last year, we made the decision to make this donation to Scarborough Museums and Galleries. Um, which they were very enthusiastic about, and the Aikborn collection. And it's only a small collection because Scarborough Museums and Galleries doesn't have the hugest space archivally in, in the world. You know, they have a very good archive, but as they said, we can't take on something of the scale where, that York with the Aikborn archive, because that was into the tens of thousands of objects. So it was, well, let's pick a few objects that are significant to Scarborough, to Alan, to Stephen Joseph. And that was really interesting because you're trying to hone it down to what tells a story and what people might be interested in. So in that case, we have a copy of The Square Cat, um, the original Alan Eggman play, and a full set of the Norman Conquests used by the actors themselves. Um, there's material from Stephen Joseph, which was held by Alan, such as Stephen's early designs for the library theatre the, in the concert room, as well as his sort of later dream idea, never realised, of the fish and chip theatre, which was a theatre in the round where people could buy and eat fish and chips while the show was going on. Heaven knows how it would have worked. I mean, the actors would have probably been sick of the smell of fish and chips. Um, and so there's things like that which are so quirky. And um, within Alan's uh, collection as well, because he did um, 
inherit a small amount of stuff from from Stephen, not uh, particularly a huge amount. Um, but again, not widely known is that Harold Pinter made his directorial debut with the Scarborough Company. Alan Aitborn appeared in Harold Pinter's directorial debut, which was rehearsed in the concert room at Scarborough Library. It didn't get performed in Scarborough because it was for the company's winter tour, but it rehearsed. Pinter was in Scarborough directing. He was the birthday party, and um, that's what's now part of the Scarborough um, Museums and Galleries collection is Stephen Joseph's original in the round design for that production. And that's a piece of history, you know, because that involves Alan, Stephen and Harold Pinter. And he's just like, yeah, this is, you know, this is striking gold. How do you acquire new stuff? Like, how do you find new stuff? Do people send you stuff? Do you go looking for it? Where do you look? Like, how do you get all this stuff? Well, most of it is what Alan has collected over time and is what um, you know, when Alan does a production, we obviously get all the, the scripts, the programs, the posters, photos, etc. related to that. That comes in. We don't actively go searching for things because there really isn't the budget for that. What I also do is I go out and I work with other archives. And so we may not get it for the Alans, but it's then making a record of where it is and what it is. And what has been tremendously exciting uh, for me in the past two, three months is um, I've been cataloging the Searching the Round collection at Scarborough Library. Uh, they have a box full of correspondence um, as well as folders full of programs. And the box has correspondence with Stephen Joseph about the very foundations of Searching the Round in Scarborough, the earliest known letter. You can trace this history of the 20 years the company was at the Library Theatre, and this has been a treasure trove. You know, there's been some of Stephen's designs for the theatre, his thoughts on how the theatre is going, the financial problems. Famously, where the first regional theatre in the UK that um, stops playing the national anthem in the 60s. And that caused a bit of a ruckus. And there's Stephen's correspondence about, you know, the feedback he's getting with this. How dare you stop the national anthem? This is a disgrace. Um, and nobody actually really cared. Um, um, except for the mayor of Scarborough, who kept making very preposterous remarks that 95% of Scarborians would like it returned. And just like, what is it? Lies, damn lies and statistics. And the library also has this absolutely beautiful collection of original programs from the first 20 years, which is undoubtedly the most complete and best conditioned collection of theatre in the round programmes from that period, full stop. It's not so much bringing new things into the archive because that gets harder and it is so big. It's going out there and finding what everyone else has and perhaps alerting them to the fact that you've got something quite special there and, you know, look after it, treasure it, and let's get the word out there. Like the Aitbon collection at Scarborough Museums and Galleries, the 
Theatre in the Round collection at Scarborough Library, the Egvon Archive at Borthwick Institute for Archives. All these are available for the public to research, to book in, to look if they're interested, and make people aware of these wonderful treasures that are out there. And if you're interested in the subject, then there's so much to, to discover and see and, and, and just the joy of reading. You've got a book called Unseen Eggborn, which I'm, uh, I'm currently going through and really enjoying. But it's fascinating to learn that, obviously, it's got 90 players that are canon, but the book is all about the stuff that didn't make it or has been changed. Or, and that is also really fascinating, isn't it? Like, there's just so much work that he's done. There is a phenomenal work ethic with Alan. I sometimes cannot get my head round how much he has done in his life. I, when he was running the theatre in the round as the artistic director, and when it was at, at Westwood, um, not too far from where we are at this moment, he was directing 10 or so productions a year in Scarborough. He was writing two or three plays. He was running the theatre. He was also going to the West End to direct his plays. And he doesn't stop. And I remember talking to his biographer once, Paul Allen. And Paul said, as a biographical um, subject, um, Allen's not particularly brilliant because all there is is the theatre. There is nothing else. He just committed himself 100% to theatre, and that is his life. And I just found fascinating because we all know the story of the plays as they're out there, but you just kept coming across like, oh, what's that? That's never been done. What's that? Or why has this play got the same title as a later play, but they're not the same? And, th and these... I think this insight into how an artistic mind works and that, you know, we think the path runs quite smoothly at times, you know, that you know, in the creativity, but it sort of goes all over the place. <laughs> During the pandemic, Alan wrote at least eight plays, half of which haven't been performed. And he's like, yeah, my job is not complete here. I'm going to have to do another edition of the book looking at all these pandemic plays because he just kept writing. He didn't stop. It's just like, in fact, he, he became even more productive because he didn't have anything else to do. And just like, I can't put my plays on, so I better just write some more. I feel a responsibility to keep track, not only of all the plays that are out there that have been performed, that are loved and known, but all the sort of abandoned ones. You think, I've got, to, I've got to give you a home as well. You need to be cared for and attention paid to you. You can't be lost because they're all part of this extraordinary story of Alan and Theatre and the Round in Scarborough. You are clearly a man who's passionate about his work. You're very busy, I can tell that. But you've, you've got lots of things coming up this year as well. So, so if people are interested in this, they can actually come and hear you speak can't they where, where can they hear you um i've got a number of talks already booked for this year i started last year going out into the community and i think i was slightly overwhelmed by how positive people were and how much interest there was so um i'm delighted to be doing more this year um i've got on the 27th of february i'm up at 
Beefworth's Hive on the South Cliff, and I'm doing um, a talk about some of the theatres in the round um, that were proposed but never built, particularly in this talk, a look at um, Stephen Joseph's desire to build a civic theatre for the town, but it never, um, it never uh, got made. Uh, on the 19th of March, I'm doing my first evening talk at Scarborough Library, and that's a joy because you're in the concert room giving a talk where Theatre in the Round began in 1955. I mean, that's awesome. And that is, will be on Alan Aitbourne and the Library Theatre. So Alan's connection with uh, Theatre in the Round at the Library Theatre and what he did for his 18 years there. Moving ahead, 9th of July, I'm at the Italian Gardens. Pray for good weather, but it's a brilliant place to give a talk. And I'm celebrating appropriately the 25th anniversary of House and Garden, Alan's famous duology of two plays performed simultaneously with one cast moving between the two plays. In 1st of August, I'm at Filey Library and probably being live streamed around the world, which is thing. Um, and I'm doing a talk there called Artistically Directed, which looks at Alan Aitbourne's career as artistic director of the Stephen Joseph Theatre from 1972 to 2009. Um, and it is a bit far ahead, but I will give it a plug because I am really excited about this one. On the 29th of October for Halloween, I'm back at Beefus Hive, and I'm going to be doing an evening talk on the woman in black which of course is one of Scarborough's most famous exports. Not only was the author of the original novel, novella, Susan Hill from Scarborough, but of course the play premiered in Scarborough in 1987 before going on to become the second most, um, uh, second longest running play in the West End and performed around the world. And I'm gonna give an insight in how it went from the book to the stage in Scarborough. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that one. That sounds absolutely brilliant. I'm definitely going to try and come along to some of these if I can, Simon. Um, and if people in the meantime wanted to find out a little bit more about Alan Aitbourne or Stephen Joseph, you, you mentioned earlier there's a couple of websites that people can head to. Alan Aitbourne's uh, official website, which has everything you could possibly want to know about Alan and a lot of things you possibly don't want to know, is uh, net. Um, and the Around Town site, which offers insight into theatre in the round in the town, and Stephen Joseph. Uh, that's it, www.theatre-in-the-round.co.uk. A massive thank you to Simon for his time and for sharing so many amazing and interesting stories about Sir Alan Aitbond's career. In fact, there was so much great stuff from Simon that on Wednesday, the 24th of January, there's actually going to be an extra bonus episode dropping where Simon talks about who Stephen Joseph was and the impact he had on theatre in Scarborough and in Sir Alan Aitbond's life. So keep an eye out for that. If you wish to find out what Simon is up to and when he is doing his talks around Scarborough, search for Alan Aitbond on Facebook or Aitbond underscore playwright on Instagram. And do go and check out the excellent websites that Simon curates and organises. Firstly, the official Alan Aikborn website, alanaikborn.net. And if you wish to learn more about Stephen Joseph and the history of theatre in the round in Scarborough, find the Around Town website at theatre-in-the-round.co.uk. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. It's a fantastic website. As ever, all the links for these sites will be in the show notes, so go and check them out there. Thank you very much for listening. There is the bonus episode coming up later this week and then there'll be another full episode next week as well.